Hello, and thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Minister John Richard, and this podcast is an account of this week's Bible study. I pray that it blesses and strengthens you in Jesus' name. If you are looking for more of the Word or are searching for the notes that were used in this week's lesson, please feel free to check the links in the description. Enjoy the Bible study and be blessed. Amen. Um, I want to start off by, um, you know, just talking about what we've been through this past week or so. Um, if you live out here in America, and I'm sure most of us do, um, there was a terrible winter storm. It was not pleasant. A lot of people were without power, without water. Um, some people perished, sadly. And if you lived in Texas, you know how bad it got out here. It, um, it, it wasn't friendly. It wasn't pleasant. That's why we didn't have Bible study last week. And in the midst of it all, um, you know, of course, there were times where this, me, my human condition, wanted me to complain. But as I thought about it, I thought, well, Lord, we have water that we can drink. Um, you know, there was water that we could boil. Of course, there was food and we kept warm the best we could. And we're still here. So I don't really have any complaints. And with all that being said, it just it really hit my heart and it made me wonder and just really think about who God is to me, who he should be to us, the church, the family. So our lesson for this week is God is. And I didn't put anything behind that because God is so many different things to us. He's he fulfills so many different roles for us. <clears throat> you know, he's he's help. He's strength. He's a friend. He's literally life. He's so much to us. He's a doctor, a lawyer. He, you know, he's a psychiatrist, a shrink. He's whatever you need. And because of that, it's like, well, I can't put one thing to really describe God. So for our lesson, <clears throat> there are just seven points of God in general that I want to point out for us this week and moving forward, of course. It just further builds upon our our yearly uh, theme, which is God is, sh is showing us something. Are we seeing? He's telling us something. Are we listening? So with all that being said, let's go ahead and hop into the word. We're going to start off in Psalms 23, uh, the entirety of the, the passage, and then Philippians chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. And for this first point, we're going to talk about God being a provider. So I'm going to put that on screen. All right. So starting in Psalms 23, the Bible says the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. And in Philippians chapter 4, it says, At the moment I have all I need and more. 
I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me uh, with Epaphroditus, excuse me. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. So our, our family members of old, our ancestors, so to say, before they really knew who God was, before Jesus was revealed to this world to show us just like, look, this is God incarnate. This is what God wants. This is what God expects. This is who he is. This is what he desires. Before that, as the Lord showed himself to the children of Israel and to anyone who was, you know, of course, blessed enough to start serving him and to follow him, they would refer to him by his properties, by his characteristics. You could know someone and not really know them, but you know that they're they're very kind. You could know someone because they're very they're very caring or they're very outgoing. You know their characteristics, but you may not really know them just yet. So for God being a provider, the name that they use is Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. Well, we went through a snowstorm. We didn't have power. We didn't really have a lot of water pressure. Um, you know, it was cold, <laughs> stating the obvious. But <clears throat> in the midst of that, there wasn't really any fear, at least not in my family, I'll say. I, I won't speak for everybody, but I do know that when you really trust the Lord, there isn't really much need to fear. Yeah, the power went out. Yeah, it was cold. But when you have these adversities and you have these things coming up against you, is it really worth your time to, to start worrying? We talked about it the week before last in our last Bible study, where Jesus literally says, is your worrying or is your stressing? Can that add a single moment to your life? Well, the answer is no. So Jesus wants us to understand, well, if it's not going to help you, why are you doing it? I get that we have human reactions. I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't get worried. I don't get afraid. I don't get anxious because I do. And I love sharing that with you all to help further push home the point that we really need God in our lives because this, this body, what I want, it's not it. It's not going to help me do anything, but the Lord, my provider, Jesus, the one who got up on a cross and died for me. I didn't ask him to because I I couldn't. And of course, he didn't have to do it, but he did. And it's just so much that comes with it. But I want to thank God because in the midst of all that we went through last week, in the midst of all that so many people went through, I know that there are some loved ones that went on. And I know that there are some things that, that got messed up. Or, or destroyed within the storm. But here's the thing about this life. Just like the Lord told us, don't put your, don't put your trust in men. Also, don't worry about the things of this earth. My TV literally just started giving me problems before Bible study because I was trying to do something on it to help with Bible study. It's messed up. It's pretty much still brand new. But just like the Lord said, Things of this world fade. 
So don't don't worry about storing up treasures here. Instead, store up your treasures in heaven, because wherever our heart is, that's where our treasures are. And if the Lord has our treasures, if we're more concerned about what he has for us instead of about what we can get here, then rust, rot, things just breaking on us, it won't happen. And I know and I I thank you, Lord, because this this lesson is one that brought me through some things personally and we'll, we'll move on. But the point is, it's that whatever you're going through, God has provisions for you. Yeah, as my mom literally prayed, we may pray for stuff and we may not get what we want at that moment because we may be praying from a place of selfishness and we're actually going to get to that. But what God does is he meets the need first and then he gives the other things as we start to seek him. The more we chase after God, the more inclined he is to just really bless our socks off. Now, of course, you're going to be blessed regardless if you're his child. But the more initiative you show, the better off you are in receiving blessings. During the storm, and we will move on. Of course, there was no power, but I had my Bluetooth speaker. It was fully charged. And my computer that I do Bible study off of was fully charged. Hooked it up. We put on some gospel and we just you know, sat in the presence of the Lord. It didn't stop us from praising him. It didn't stop us from worshiping him. It didn't stop us in the sense of there was something drawing us away from his connection. See, we don't need technology to praise God because if the computer wasn't there, I know a lot of gospel songs I can just sing. If technology wasn't there, I can still pray to God because it's not like I call him on a phone. I call him via my spirit because he's right here. So as we move throughout this lesson, remember, it's not the things so much that you can see and touch that matter. It's about what's really there. And what's really there in this life is Jesus, because this life is nothing without him. So now we talk about God being a protector. And in Psalms 91 verses 1 through 7 and John chapter 10 verses 27 through 30, we see how that picture is painted of the Lord. And I'll put that on screen. The Bible says those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, not my house that I'm currently in doing Bible study from. Not this country where we have the right to do a lot of things and certainly not this planet, but the Lord alone is my refuge. He's my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Through a though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. And then in John, Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my father has given them to me. And he, he alone 
is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. One of my favorite things about God is that when it comes, especially when Jesus is talking, about discussing the relationship that the Lord not only has with him, but the relationship that the Lord has with all of his babies, us, we're his babies. It's that we are protected from every single side. Throughout all of our Bible studies, we always come back to the solid point that not only is God preparing the way, but it's been prepared. He's walking ahead of you to scout it out to show you the way. He's bringing up the rear guard. He's right behind you, making sure that your past, that attacks from Satan can't come get you. He's on your left and your right. So when you get tired and you may stumble a little bit, he's holding you up so you don't fall. And when the mistakes of life happen, because we're not perfect yet, when I make mistakes, guess what? They're done in his presence so that grace and mercy can cover me. Not when I'm actively trying to do wrong, but when this thing right here just does what it does and it fights against God. But glory be to God because he's greater inside of us than that old enemy could ever be. Because this war that we're fighting, the war for our minds, for our mental sanity, it's won through the studying of the gospel. It's won through really trusting in God, not just saying, yeah, God is good. Okay, but is he good because you've heard the cliche or is he good because you've actually tasted and saw how good the Lord really is? Have you actually put his word into practice? Have you actually been through something like last week where all you could do was call upon the name of the Lord and within calling upon that name, Jesus, you just felt that much more peaceful. You got that much more strength to keep pushing through that, though, yeah, you may have lost some loved ones or some stuff may have been broken. You know that if they trusted in the Lord the same way you do, that they were good. And God forbid if they didn't. Well, that just shows you that life is fleeting. Jesus himself said that no one knows the day nor the hour when the son of man is coming back. He's coming like a thief in the night. He'll sneak up on you and tell you, hey, it's time to go. And it's like, Lord, my affairs weren't in order. And what happens? I gave you ample time. I told you what to do. And this isn't me harping on anyone. It's not me condemning anybody because we're all just as guilty as the next person. But what I'm saying is, and what I want to stress, what I will continue to stress as long as God gives me strength to do so, is that we need, it is the utmost importance. We really need to repent, make a 180, turn away from the world and turn to God. I don't know what else the Lord would need to do in the midst of a pandemic with several strings of the same virus that just keep getting worse. And it's not pessimism. I'm giving you facts right now with the winter storm that we've never really seen. And it's not to discourage you. It's to encourage you to run to the Lord. Don't worry about what's going on in the country in terms of all the craziness that's happened. Instead, worry about God because he's the only one that can fix these things. We do our part by trusting in the Lord. We're protected by trusting in the Lord. We're able to work and do all that we do because we're a part of the vine. And like Jesus said, and that's in here today, 
apart from him, we can't do anything. We can't make change without God. We can't live without God because we're just beautified death without the Lord. This is we're, I'm just a walking zombie if I didn't have God. And I was once upon a time before I was saved. Brothers and sisters, we're protected because of Jesus. We're alive because of the Lord. We can do things because of him. His that quality of God, Jehovah Nisi, is literally the Lord, my banner. Uh, there's a song by Yolanda Adams called Victory, and she says, I held up the bloodstained banner and proclaimed that Jesus is the truth and the life. I, <laughs> I mean, listen, the Lord is so good that in the midst of all that we go through, in the midst of what we're currently go through, I've had family members get the COVID and be okay. I had one that went on home, and that's not to say that she did something wrong to get sick. It's just that God needed to take her home. And the same way he took my pastor home recently of the same thing, it's not that he did anything wrong. It was just his time to go. And one thing I want to stress is we move on to our next one, because it's very important, especially in this crazy time of life that we live in, that God doesn't change. We may be flaky. We may not always want to read and study. I'm talking about me right now. I may not always want to pray because I'm tired or upset. I may not always want to serve as faithfully as I was before. But because God doesn't change and because his spirit doesn't change and because we're now one. Remember, Jesus said that he overcame this world for you and for me. And because he did, we can overcome our old self. Remember, no one is better than the other person, but you can strive to be better than the old you. I want me tomorrow to be better than me today. I want me next week, God willing, to be better than me last week. If we're if God is ever moving, if his will is ever moving forward, then we, too, have the same potential inside of Christ because of his strength inside of us to continually get better, to continually grow. Then when we go to the AA meeting, yeah, hi, I'm JR, and I've been sober for X amount of years. Yeah, I'm, I may have had a few instances with this particular sin where it tried to trick me and trap me and bring me back down, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. And because his name is Jesus, not Buddha, not Allah, not Muhammad, not any other tactical uh, distraction that Satan's trying to use to get you off the course. But Jesus, the name that which every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess because of him, I'm able to keep getting better. I'm able to keep getting healthier. So let's talk about God being a healer in Psalms chapter 30, verses one through three. And John chapter 15, verses one through five, the Bible says, I will exalt you, Lord, for you rescued me. You refused to let my enemies triumph over me. Oh, Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you restored my health. You brought me up from the grave or the place of dead. Oh, Lord, you kept me from falling into the pit of death or into hell. I am. And then Jesus says in John chapter 15, I am the true grapevine. And my father is the gardener. Pay close attention to that. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. 
you have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Abide in me, live inside of me, and I will abide in you. I will live inside of you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you abide in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I want to give you an analogy. We all know that when we get sick, when we catch a cold, if you've ever been injured and you break a bone or get a fracture, it takes time to heal. But that healing process can also be painful. So in a lot of cases, we're given medicine, we're given antibiotics, we're given uh, painkillers to help make the transition from sick to healthy just that much more bearable. Well, in life, because it's not that much different from you catching a cold, we're sick with sin. Jesus says that everyone who sins is a slave to sin, so that means we need to be freed. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, because we believe that he is the only begotten Son of God, he is God. They are not separate. They are one and the same. That he came down in a body just like yours and mine to die for our sins. When we believe that in our hearts and confess it with our tongues, we're saved. We're great. We're good. We're heaven bound. Yes. But the sanctification process or the medication, the antibiotics that we're prescribed to help alleviate the symptoms of sin. That's a process that takes time. It hurts sometimes. I had my uh, I had my elbow out of place when I was, I think, three, four or five, one of the ages. I'm pretty sure my grandmother is cringing right now with me telling this. But in order for it to get better, the doctor had to pop it back into place because it was out of place. Well, in the same way, because our spirits were out of place, they were no longer in the presence of God because we came here dead, dead on arrival, because we sold ourselves out in the garden with Adam and Eve. We probably would have did the same thing, maybe not as fast or maybe not as, as uh, slow, but it would have happened. But because we're out of place, God has to pop us back in the place. So when you're when you're saved, as you start to really embrace what God is trying to do, when you embrace the process, it hurts sometimes. I won't lie to you. It doesn't feel good. It's not nice to face the past and to really acknowledge it for what it is. But the bright side is that once you face it, you can let it go because now it no longer has a stronghold over you. What It's just like when you're driving in the car, that little inscription on the, 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 the mirror, on, on the side of the door. Beware, because objects and mirror may be closer than they are seen. Well, it's just the opposite. When we look at life and we look at the past and what really hurts us, or when we look at what's going on and how it's affecting us, it seems big because it's right here in my face. But as I start to trust the Lord and say, Father, I need your help, he starts to move it back. And just like when you're far, far away from your destination, it seems very tiny. If you've ever flown in an airplane, the, the things on the ground look like ants. Well, that's because your problems, the issues of life, people dying, people going home, sadly for the people who don't know the Lord, going to their inevitable doom. 
when you just look at it through God's eyes, you start to see, wow, I was stressing over nothing. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, my healer, is what God is called in this situation. Because throughout all the heartache, throughout all the pain, throughout all the sleepless nights, throughout all the the growing pain, throughout everything that hurts us, God is right there. And he's saying, baby, I just need you to trust me this much more. I need you to call on my name just a few more times because in doing so, I'm going to give you the strength. I'm going to give you the breakthrough. I'm going to give you exactly what you need so you can keep pressing. If it was up to us, we wouldn't choose to go through anything bad because we don't like to hurt. But because God's knowledge infinitely outweighs ours and he knows exactly what we can handle. Because when we go through, when we get broken, the potter puts us back together with another layer of impurity broken off of us. So that once we get to the next plateau, the next level, we can handle what life is going to throw at us. We can handle the new mantle of responsibility. We can handle being able to help someone out because we actually have on-the-job experience. I couldn't help somebody deal with with a, a porn addiction or a sexual addiction had God not brought me out of mine. I'm not saying he put me there, but because he loves his children and because everything works out for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, he took the permissive will He wrote my wrongs and he made everything right. He took the crooked places just like he said he would. He made them straight so that when I saw someone on my path and they were just straying all topsy turvy and curvy, I could say, hey, let me show you what God did for me because I don't deal with that anymore. Yeah, it may tempt me from time to time because this just wants to hurt me, but my God is greater And if you serve the same God I do, then listen, there's nothing you can't overcome. So let's talk about God fulfilling our needs. In John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, and Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. The Bible says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And then in Matthew, Jesus says, when we pray, Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But you, when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him. Jesus then goes on to say, instead, pray like this. Our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. That's the first prayer my grandmother ever taught me. And once I got it down and we'd say our prayers together every night, she said, okay, now, boo, go ahead and tell the Lord what you want from him. Go ahead and tell the Lord what you need from him. Go ahead and tell the Lord what it is you'd like to see him do. Tell the Lord your God what it is that you may be lacking because he is a supplier of our needs. See, what, what Jesus is telling us in the Our Father prayer, it's that when we talk to God, don't forget that he literally created everything. He knows everything. He knows our problems before we even talk to him about it. He knows our needs before we can even pray about it. Well, you may be asking, well, why do I need to pray? Because when you pray, it's not you trying to change God's mind. It's you opening up a doorway that God is giving you the green light to open so that he can change something on the inside of you. Father, I'm stressed out, but I know you're good. I know that you said if I give all my worries to you, and if I just pray and be thankful for everything, then your peace, which surpasses all my understanding, would take over me. And then if I would continue to just meditate on the things that are good and just and true and pure and everything that is holy and godly, because that's what you love, then you yourself, the God of peace, would be with me. That, Father, when I'm thirsty, that you would be my water in the middle of the desert. That when I'm hungry, you would be my manna from heaven. That, Lord, when I don't have enough strength, that you would be my rock in a weary place. That if I would wait patiently on you, that you would renew my strength. That you would give me wings like eagles so I could keep moving. I would walk and not be weary. I would run and I wouldn't fall over. The Lord our God supplies every single need. In the midst of a pandemic, the Lord has made provisions for people to still have a source of income via stimulus checks and um, what is it? Uh, the unemployment checks. Thank you, Jesus. But not just that, but people are still able to work. They're able to do jobs that we thought impossible from home. And for the people who are still in their places of business, God has put measures in place so that they can have some form of safety. And for anyone who calls on the name Jesus, well, we know outright that they'll be saved, that they'll be protected. It doesn't mean that bad things don't happen to us, but it's the bad things that God allows to occur that aren't really that bad in terms of the growth factor. I've heard so many of my elders say that there's no real there's no real thing is wasted time. Instead, view them as lessons learned. When I went through what I went through with my own porn addiction and everything else, I thought I wasted a lot of my time and a lot of people may still view it that way. But what I see now is that even though I put myself through something horrific that I would never advise for anyone to do to themselves, it's that I, I clearly and visibly saw how good God is in bringing me out of a mess that I didn't see a way out. We've all probably been in a place where we felt like we were in a dark pit and there was no ladder, no light. It was cold. It was dark. It was damp. And we didn't know what to do. But then one day, and I don't remember what lesson this was from, 
But then one day the ray of light shined in our lives because we heard that name Jesus and that tiny measure of faith we come here with was activated because faith comes by hearing and hearing is by hearing the word of God, the gospel, the testimony of who Jesus the Christ is. And when I heard it, something started stirring up on the inside. If I could juxtapose with you for a minute, it's like when you're studying for a test, but you don't understand the material, but then you're um, you're told about a tutor who has never had a student under them that couldn't learn the material. And you were skeptical because it's like, nah, that's too good to sound true. But you said, what do I have to lose? So you went to the tutor and the tutor broke it down on your level and made everything plain and they made it relatable. And then they showed you how to make it practical. And then when it was time for you to take that test, it was like, wow, I didn't think I could do it, but I got flying colors. I got a hundred. I got the bonus questions, right? I'm doing great now. Well, that's what life is when you hear about that man from Galilee named Jesus. When you hear about the Lord, our God, the risen King, the wise counselor, the Lord of Lords, the, the Lord of heavenly hosts. When you hear about him, when you go to him, because you literally have nothing to lose because you don't have anything in the first place outside of Jesus. When you try him, when you taste the fruit of the spirit, when you embrace the gentleness, the, the love, the compassion, the kindness, the self-discipline, when you embrace all the different characteristics of who Christ is for yourself, well, your needs get met. <laughs> oh, man, they get met in such a way. That when you start taking care of God's business, he's taking care of all your business on the back burner. And then when it's time for you to go handle the thing, it's already done. Yeah, I get I get that people are getting sick and they're dying and it's bad. It's not good. But what God is saying is don't worry about everything else. Worry about you and me, because when me and you are straight, it doesn't matter what happens to you. Because remember, if man wants to destroy your body, okay, Paul said to live is for Christ and to die is to gain. And I completely agree. While I take breath, I'm going to serve the Lord. And if I should, if this body of mine should just go to sleep and not wake up, well, cool. I'm with my father now. I'm in his presence. My mansion is ready because like Jesus said, I wouldn't tell you my father had all this room in his house if it wasn't true. So while you do what I'm asking you to do, I'm going to prepare your place. And as I take a look at you, as I check in from time to time, as I see you doing better and better, because you can't not do better if you're really my baby. As you keep improving, as you keep proclaiming my name and getting people saved and casting out demons and healing the sick, just like I told you you could do because I've given you all the power because I am the power. And because you're flexing me, listen, when you do that, God is adding continuously to your treasure room so that when you hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, when you get that hug, when you go to meet Jesus on whatever faithful day that may be, you've got a lot to look forward to. We have a family that's so big it can't even be counted, but God knows the numbers. So then we talk about our wants because we love to have our needs met, but we also want stuff. So in James chapter four, verses uh, one through three and John chapter 15, verses seven through eight, 
The Bible says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war and take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. This is very important. You want only what will give you pleasure. And then in John, Jesus says, if notice how big it is, if you would abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. Here's the thing about us as a a race of beings called humans. Humanity sucks. I'm just going to be very straightforward with you. We are terrible. We're disgusting. We're nasty. We're filthy. We need help 24, seven, seven days a week. We, we need it. We cannot ever do anything right without God. And even with God, we still just look bad because sometimes this just gets the best of us. But here's the thing about God. When we ask him for something and we don't get it and we're doing things his way, it's not because he doesn't want us to have it. It's simply probably because the time isn't right. See, the thing about waiting on the Lord, because waiting on him is a it's an action thing. It's like working out. And I'll give you another example after when you go to the gym for the first time and you do your routine You feel as if you've gained something, but you don't see any results right away. But as you keep doing it, you start to notice that it gets easier and then you can do more and then you start to get results. And as you keep doing it, you look back and like, wow, who was that person in the before picture? Because the now picture is someone I never thought I could be, but I'm so happy I'm here. It's just like when you practice something. When I first started playing the guitar, I wasn't that great. I'll be honest with you. I couldn't make my notes sound good and I didn't have, you know, clarity or the speed to do so. But as I practiced, it got easier. I could play my scale. I could play my notes. And then as that got easier and I got more uh, dexterity and more uh, tensile strength, I could play chords. I could actually play music. And then as I told with it for a while and the, the, the theory behind music and the structure and the composure, I was able to start writing my own songs. Well, in the same way between working out and music and whatever else you want to relate it to, when you leave the world for real and you accept Jesus, it's a process. What you're allowing God to do now through sanctification is to remove your desires for this life. Because honestly, there's nothing here that's worth you really selling your soul for. Money, it's God's. People, we're not that great. We turn on each other at the drop of a dime. Stuff, it breaks. Literally, it breaks. Like I, I can't think of how many times I've bought something brand new and it just broke on me because it's something that we put together. But see, God, what he puts together, it doesn't break. It doesn't expire. It doesn't sour. It doesn't rot. It doesn't catch mildew. There are no termites or or worms trying to eat it away. Why? Because God is the everlasting, 
of everlasting. And whatever he ordains, it shall not pass until it has served its purpose fully. Only then will we see an end. But here's the good thing about God. Not only is he the beginning, but he's the end and he's everything else in between. So when you line your life up with God, as the book of James says, and you you don't have what you want, check yourself. The Bible is a mirror. See where you stand. But as you start to be purified in the fires of life, because God has you on that pottery wheel spinning you, taking off layers until you get perfect. And then he puts you in the furnace to make sure those changes stick. They have to stick. When you're going through that, then your desire starts lining up with the father's desire. And then when you ask him for something, of course, it's going to happen. It may not be like that, but it's going to happen. You can't drive legally in uh, America until you're about 16, but you can start learning beforehand in the same way. Father, I need I want I, I need something. OK, I got you. But you have to wait until you get to the required time. But see, here's the good thing about the Lord. The more you serve him, the more you're faithful to him, the more you just don't worry about a thing and you really focus solely on him. The time either speeds by or God is so impressed. He says, baby, you know what? That was a test. You were either going to get it a few days from now or a few years from now, depending on how you reacted. But because you chose to trust my process, because I know what's best for you, because I'm the ancient of days and because you did exactly what I told you do to not put your trust in yourself because you don't know a single thing. Here you go. You're prepared. And then here's some more. Take extra and then take a little bit more just because I love you that much. Then we talk about the truth. We love the truth, especially when it comes to the court of law. Oh, hmm. uh, remember how we talked about how we change our laws almost every so often so that they can fit what we perceive as right and wrong? Well, when we go back to our needs, God gave his son because we needed saving. And then after we got saved or after the way to salvation was shown, he said, you know what else they need? They need to understand how to to really commune with me so that once they start reading and have questions, once they start studying and pondering who I am to them, they have a way to communicate. Just like if I want to get to know my grandparents better, I go talk to them. If I want to know my, my friends better, I spend time with them and I talk to them. I get to know them. You got to do the same with God. So Jesus in John chapter 14, verse 6 John chapter 8, verses 34 through uh, 36, and John chapter 16, verses 13 through 15. Jesus says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth. Notice truth is emboldened and the life. No one can come to the father except through me. Then in John 8, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin or a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is a part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, or if the truth sets you free, you are truly free. And then in John chapter 16, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future, he will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. 
all that belongs to the father is mine. This is why I said the father, the spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. See, here's the dope thing about actual truth about the gospel, which we learned uh, in the last Bible study is unvaluable truth. There is no error. It cannot be proved wrong because it is simply 100 percent undeniable, cold, hard facts. It's the truth. Jesus says that I am the way, the truth and the life. We know that outside of him, we can do nothing. We know that there is no life outside of Christ, that this world that's masquerading, trying to let you think it's OK to do whatever you want. It's just leading people further away from what God really wants for us. And that's to be holy because he's holy. So here's the thing about real truth. The truth hurts. Why does it hurt? Because we enjoy the lie. But see, here's the thing about getting past the lie. And we've had a few lessons about not believing the lie, uh, overcoming the lie that Satan tries to sell us. See, when we know what the truth is, when we know who the truth is, when we understand who we really are, because the Bible says that our real lives are caught up inside of Christ Jesus. And when Christ, our true life is revealed to this world, then everyone will be like, wow, yeah, I need to I need to go with him. When we know what truth actually is, then the lie doesn't it doesn't affect us and the truth no longer stings. Instead, it's like a pat on the back. You know what? You, you're right. I messed up. I was wrong. But that's OK, because you brought that to my attention. I can fix it. I can get better. I can do better. Good, better, best. Never let it rest until your good is better and your better is best. Grandparents taught me that it stuck with me my entire life. There is an unlimited level cap in this game called life because one, it's not a game. But the good thing about life is that inside of Jesus, we're protected. We're healed. Our needs are met. Our wants are met. We have everything that we need. We have a protector. We have all that we could ever hope for. And then some, the Bible says that, you know, when we ask God for stuff, that he'll give things to us well beyond our understanding. And I thank God for that because, you know, I like to say I think outside the box, but I could never equate to God's level of thinking. But because he's my father and I'm his son, he always points me in the right direction and he wants to do the same for you. So when you accept the truth, then you get the spirit of truth. And when you have the spirit of truth, things just don't phase you anymore. Yeah, I see what's going on in this world, and I've talked about a lot of it uh, throughout Bible studies, and I won't mention anything in particular. But the cool thing is, is because of who my God is and because of what he's done and what he's doing, it's like, oh, okay, I, I see. I see you, Satan. I see what you're trying to do. But because I'm aware now, just like the Bible said, that we wouldn't be ignorant to the devices of the enemy, I can pray against it. I can go ahead and cause some things to happen that weren't even going to happen because of my faith in who the Most High is. I can go ahead and throw out my lasso and catch those vile imaginations and bring them on down. I can take those strongholds and break them, just like how the walls of Jericho fell down. I can do all these things because of who my God is and because of what he's doing inside of me and because of what Jesus does, has done and is going to do because he's the God that's still to come. There is so much 
that he's just ready to show. And all you have to do is be willing to see. Give him some time. Lend him your ear. Because when God speaks, trust me, you want to hear. Because nothing the Lord has to say, even if it may make you feel bad, it's not bad for you. The word is sweet like honey, but it sits real bitter like. So you got to tell somebody. And because the Lord himself is his word, when you start to proclaim it, guess what? He also watches over it to make sure that it happens. So then we talk about God being our all in all, him being everything. The simple fact that even though he's the beginning and the end, remember, he's also the part in between. We know the end. God won. He won before the foundations of the world were laying. And he let us know how he won because of his sacrifice on Calvary. And then he told us exactly how it would end. That at the end of days, when all the, the craziness happens, that he would bring everything back unto himself and he would purge existence in fire. And that those of us who loved him and trusted him, we would be right there with him in the new heaven and the new earth. And that we'd be given free reign to just be with him because guess what? We're right there in the center with the Lord and we are his people and he is our God. And we're straight for eternity because there's no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more nothing, just peace, love and happiness. So God being our all in all, Psalms chapter 24, verses 1 through 6, and Revelation 22, verses 12 through 13. The Bible says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Ooh, we're going to talk about that. For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. Such people uh, may seek you and worship you in your presence, O God of Jacob. And then in Revelation 22, the Bible says, look, I am coming soon bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So here's the thing about God being our all in all, literally being everything. As the Bible just said, the earth and everything in it, it belongs to God. Uh, this world itself, the riches, everything here, and the people, the most important part are his. So because God paid a very steep, high, outrageous price to buy humanity back, not a select few, but humanity back, because he bought everyone back, just like the book of Romans says, it is, it's our duty. And I can't think of the actual word it's saying, so Lord help me. Oh, thank you, Jesus. It's our reasonable service to serve him. God, God literally bought me back so that I could have an actual chance at living a life instead of coming here thinking I'm doing something, maybe being great in terms of the world and then die and go to hell. That doesn't sound fun. I'd rather be poor in wealth wise, but rich in relationship with the Lord and go to heaven then be rich here 
and poor in relationship with him, maybe not even know him and then die and go to hell. Because like Jesus said, what does it profit you to gain the entirety of the world, but lose your soul? And then he went told us the, the parable of, of Lazarus and the rich man and in the purple robe and and how Lazarus was just outside full of wounds getting licked and the rich man did nothing. And he was given so many opportunities to help him out. And then one day Lazarus died. But what happened? He woke up in heaven. He was at the dinner table eating, chilling with Abraham and the Lord and everyone else. And the rich man woke up in hell, burning, torturing. And there was this endless gap between the two. And he was just like, yo, help. At least just throw some water on my tongue. Help me out. I'm, I'm hurting over here. I need something. And he was like, look, I can't do nothing for you. There's a, a endless gap between us that no one can cross. So I don't know what you want. Well, at least send someone to, to, to go tell my family, warn them. And he's like, I, nah, I, why? You know, they can read. They have eyes. They can hear. They have ears. But even if someone rose from the dead to go tell them, they wouldn't believe. And wow, does Jesus foreshadow in the most amazing way? Because when he got up on the third day and he went to his disciples and was like, look, I'm back. Here's the power of, of death and hell in my hand that's in my pocket. Here is eternal life. Here's my Holy Spirit. There you go. Have at it. Go forth in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and our name is Jesus, and go baptize the nations. Go heal the sick. Go give sight to the blind. Go cast out demons. Go give the people with debilitating, uh, crippling effects on them, and let them be healed. Go do it all in my name, because I'm finna perform greater works. I'm about to turn this upside-down world right-side up. And when I get done, because just like Jesus said, behold, the kingdom of heaven is already here because God is here because of everything that he does and is going to do and is yet to do. Oh, Lord Jesus, there's so much to look forward to. So as we get ready to close out, I want you to think about this, these points moving forward. One, be grateful. If you're still here, God has a purpose for you. And just because some people may have gone on doesn't mean they didn't have a purpose. It was just their time. Everyone has an appointment with the master. And my advice is that you get on the master's good side so that when you go into the appointment, it's just like having a referral at a job interview. It's just formalities at that point. Oh, yeah. Hey, nice to meet you. Such and such told me all about you. Um, here's a description of what the job is. You can start Monday. That's with the referral. But see, without it, it's just that rigorous process of you inevitably getting denied. Uh-huh. Nice to meet you. What's your name? What are your qualifications? Oh, really now? That's very interesting because when my son was being preached to you, when you heard about him, when you were given a chance to accept us, you didn't. And then you thought everything that you did in your own eyes was good. And we know that the ways of men lead to death and the ways of death. I don't know what to say. But anyway, God is very good. We've made it to another Bible study. I almost didn't want to not have it because we had power back, but it was just a lot of weariness. And as I prayed and thought about it, God was like, baby, just rest. I got you. Don't worry about it. But because he's good and we're here and we're moving forward, brothers and sisters, trust the Lord with all your heart 
and lean not to your own understanding because that wall hurts, but that door, it doesn't hurt when you walk through. So trust God. And if you don't know him, get to know him. Heavenly Father, we come before you saying thank you, Lord. We thank you so much for the opportunity to just come before your presence and share your word as a family. Father, even in the midst of natural disasters and chemical warfare against humanity, against anything bad that could happen, you are still God, you are still good, and you will always be God, and you will always be good. Though our needs are many, I haven't seen a single one who calls upon your name, not have their needs met, and then some. I haven't seen a single of your children, Lord, or anyone who's new to the family call upon you and didn't get exactly what they need exactly when they needed it, Lord, because your timing is impeccable. It may not come exactly when we want it, but you'll be there right on time, Father, so we thank you for it. Heavenly Father, for those of us who know, love, and trust you, give us your peace. Give us your strength. Give us your rest because times are tough. And I won't lie and say that they aren't draining, but because you're my strength, my rest, my water, my nourishment, because you're everything that I need, because you're my all in all, I have everything that I could ever hope for. And because you're so kind to bless us, even when we don't deserve it, I have all that I want more. And for Father, for those who don't know you, well, Lord, it's my earnest prayer that they would get to know you because you're so amazing. Beyond just being able to bless me, you saved me, God. And because of the relationship that we have now, I get to see you as a father, as a savior, as a Lord, as a doctor, as compassion, as truth, as love, as kindness, as everything that I'm trying to strive to be. And because you gave us the perfect blueprint and gave us the strength, the will and the know how or the wisdom to do so. We can do all things through you who strengthen us, Christ Jesus. So, Father, just send forth your blessings. Send forth your Shekinah glory, Lord. Send forth everything that we need, Lord, because these times are indeed perilous and rough. But you, O oh God, promised that not even the, the darts that are flying throughout the sky would hit us. That though tens of thousands may be dropping around us, we'd be all right because you're our banner. And because we're stamped with your approval and because we're made right in your eyes, not by our works, but by the simple sacrifice and gift that you've given us, we're just A-OK. -okay. So, Father God, thank you. We love you and we'll be sure to give your name all the praise, all the honor and all the glory which you so rightly deserve. In Jesus name I pray. Amen and amen. Hey, family. I pray the lesson has blessed you in some way, shape, form, or fashion today. Each week, we hold Bible study on Zoom, and it would be wonderful to share this experience with you. If something was said that resonated with you and you aren't a part of the family, I would like to open the invitation to join. I pray that the Lord blesses you in all of your endeavors and that you chase after the prize, which is Jesus. See you next week, God willing and be blessed.